You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That is at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And on today's show, we're going to dive into the Kansas City Royals making a couple of roster moves. Finally, there's some news to talk about. And we have three different avenues we can start. So we can just start with the overall news then dive into each specific one. Uh, the first bit of news is that Mike Miner has returned to Kansas City on a two-year deal. Michael Taylor is coming to Kansas City on a one-year contract. And the team has brought back Jacob Junis. So we can just start with Jacob Junis, first of all, because I, I have the least amount to say about bringing back Junis. Th- this is fine to bring him back, and, and it's another young arm that can try to compete and, and try to win a chance and win a job throughout spring training. I, I don't have any strong opinions on Jacob Junis. I think he's an underrated pitcher, but it's a pitcher that if he's here, if he's not here, it's not really going to decide much of anything or factor into much of anything, especially as we get further and further into this process, right? As you get closer to calling up Daniel Lynch and you've already called up Bubich and you've already called up Brady Singer, as you get closer to calling up Asa Lacey and all these young pitching prospects, you're simply going to run out of room and you're simply going to run out of, of real estate with your rotation. And so if Jacob Junis comes in and is a back into the bullpen guy, so be it. But it's nice that they brought him back. It's worth a shot. It's worth a flyer to not just give up on this guy because Jacob Judas has shown flashes and flashes in Kansas City where he can be a pretty good pitcher and he can do certain things well. So can you find a role for him? I I struggle to think that that role is a starting pitcher. I really do because of the fact that you know I think that he's better suited in, in small situations, small outings, and I think that you saw that with the team using openers for him, and maybe he can be a long reliever if you get into a bind. Maybe he can be a middle reliever. I think that's that's kind of where his role is. But Jacob Junis is back, and, and, and that's great for Kansas City fans to have someone who they're familiar with. But even in the roster that, they, that Kansas City does make, it's going to bring back another guy you're familiar with, and that's Mike Miner. Now, Mike Miner's situation is... A lot more interesting to me. Mike Miner comes back to Kansas City where he performed so well and where he turned his career back around and he was able to really reinvent himself. I mean, you think about the reputation Mike Miner had coming into Kansas City and the way he left Kansas City, and he did a full 180. He really did. And that's great for Mike Miner. I, I did not expect Mike Miner to come back to Kansas City this offseason. I did not expect Kansas City to want Mike Miner to come back to Kansas City this season. But again, he, he comes here in 2017 and he drops his ERA. He's lights out. He finds a good role for him in that bullpen. Does not start a single game in Kansas City. Goes all 65 appearances out of the pen. 77 innings from him. And he was really good. He, he was simply really good in that Royals bullpen. 
I mean, he drops down to a to a 2.55 ERA from a 4.7 ERA. He was really good. But then he goes back and 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 signs in Texas, and they try to make him a starter. And, and then you see it: the four ERA, the 3.5 ERA, and then the 5.5 ERA uh, this year with a 5.6 ERA in uh, Oakland. Uh, in Oakland, so I think that his role is in the bullpen, and that. Texas tried to to go all in with him as as a, as a starting pitcher. Uh, he, he had his flashes. He had his moments as a starting pitcher. Again, to me, I hope it's for a bullpen role. I hope that this two-year deal is for him to understand he's a better bullpen pitcher at this day and age because I simply do not want more roadblocks for the young guys. Look at your rotation right now. You have Danny Duffy already locking up a spot in your in your rotation, for better or worse. That's blocking a young guy. That's blocking somebody who has way more potential, who has way more of a ceiling than Danny Duffy. And then you have Brady Singer and Chris Bubich locking in a rotational spot. Two really good pitchers, really young pitchers. And then you have Brad Keller locking up a rotational spot. And now all of a sudden, you're at four starting pitchers already. So there's one spot left for Asa Lacey, Jackson Coart, Daniel Lynch, any of these guys to break into the big leagues and to break into that rotation. There's one spot left, and I do not, I do not want that one spot to go to Mike Miner. I just don't. I, I do not want that one spot to be handed away to... An over-the-hill pitcher who you're hoping can have a reclamation project at, at, at age 32. I'm not in love with the Mike Miner signing if it's to make him a starting pitcher. If it's to make him a bullpen arm and hope that he has the bounce back that Greg Holland did last year, hope he has the bounce back that Trevor Rosenthal did last year, that's totally fine. Because as you lose Trevor Rosenthal, you supplement that loss with Mike Miner. And he performs, hopefully, in the same capacity that Trevor Rosenthal did. So now you've strengthened your bullpen up. But if this is a move for the starting rotation, I I am all out on it. I do not like it. Because that tells me that help is not really on its way. Because if we can't see Daniel Lynch this year, now, now I get it. If you want to manipulate service time at the start of the year, that's fine. I'm, I'm talking long term here, big picture here. I'm not talking opening day. If you want to manipulate service time, which you didn't do with Brady Singer, I get it. I don't think that the Royals want to want to operate that way, as we saw with Brady Singer. Uh, again, all that was due to injuries, though. You had juniors with COVID and injuries. You had all that good stuff, bad stuff happen to you. I don't want to see Mike Miner as a starting pitcher long term this year. I really don't want to see him a starting pitcher out the gate, even. But if it's out the gate just for a small spell, that's fine. Because if he's a starting pitcher, to me, that, that signals to you that Asa Lacey, who is a veteran college player that should have an accelerated timeline to Kansas City and was put on that alternate site roster as soon as he was drafted this year instead of just staying in Texas and working on his own, that signals that he's not close to being ready, Lynch is not close to being ready, and you're relying on a 32 guy, a 32-year-old guy with the... Minor league system still in flux, not knowing what's exactly going to happen there. We'll see what happens with all all the minor leagues and if they can play due to COVID. 
I think Mike Miner will be a bullpen arm. I hope he'll be a bullpen arm. And I hope that this is a good move. Because I think that it will be. I think if he's a bullpen guy, you can find spots to utilize Mike Miner as they did when he was here the first time. As they did in 2017. So I'm very interested to see what he can bring. I mean, again, he had an all-star season in Texas. A really good first half, especially in 2019 as a starter. But he was not good last year. Personally, bullpen. So coming up, we're going to talk about Michael Taylor signing with Kansas City and talk about what that move means for the future of this organization. And so we're back on Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That is at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And let me tell you right now that you're going to want to go listen to Locked On MLB after this podcast to know what's happening around Major League Baseball. And hey, Mike Miner's probably mentioned on Locked On MLB. So you get some Royals talk on a national platform over there on Locked On MLB, a daily podcast covering the ins and outs of Major League Baseball on a whole, just as this is a daily Royals podcast covering the ins and outs of Kansas City as a whole. So I want to talk about Michael Taylor uh, and the signing that the the Royals made as a one-year rental. Now, I don't really want to talk about the player Michael Michael Taylor because I think that it's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, here's a guy that I don't expect that to have a huge ceiling. I don't think will make a huge impact. I don't think will turn his career around in Kansas City. But on the other hand, he's 29, so he's under 30. Maybe all of a sudden now, at age 29, after seven years in the big leagues, maybe all of a sudden he can become a better than 237 hitter. Now he's a good defender. He can shore up the center field position defensively. Uh, but as everyone who has listened to the show for a significant amount of time knows, I am very high on the outfield prospects in Kansas City. I am very high on Edward Olivieras. I'm very high on uh, Khalil Lee. I'm very high on Kyle Isbell. That's three right there. I'm also pretty high on Frenchie Cordero. If you want to keep Whit Merrifield in the outfield, obviously. That's five outfielders already. Just not even scratching the surface of this organization. So I think what this signing means that the Royals are going to shift things around a bit. I think that we'll know a lot tomorrow. We'll know a lot on Wednesday what this officially means. But if you see the Royals part ways with Michael Franco, in my estimation, that means that Taylor is going to be your center fielder. Okay, and then Whit Merrifield will slide over permanently to right field. And then Edward Livieris or somebody will, will occupy left field. That was always manned by Alex Gordon. And Hunter Dozier will become your third baseman, which it was which is what he grew up doing and came through your system doing. He'll just revert back to that third base spot. Is that the best move? Maybe. If you wanted to really put a team out there to try to win and try to compete. To me, you would take Whitmerfield, put him at second base, and then load up that outfield with better bats. However, for those of you who have listened a long time, you already know this, but I personally think that Nicky Lopez has more to offer. I think that there's still some untapped potential in Nicky Lopez. Now, is he gonna find that is he gonna find that 
potential at the plate in the big leagues, or does he need some more time in the minor leagues? Who knows? Is he ever going to find that untapped potential at the plate? Who knows? But I personally don't want to give up on Nicky Lopez for the sake of Michael Taylor, for for the sake of a 30-year-old who's a nice little defender on a team in which you're not going to compete this year. To me, this move, and, and the moves we saw with, with Mike Miner also, but, but to, a, to a lesser extent with Mike Miner, because at least that, at least that if he's a good bullpen arm, he'll have some value on the, at the trade deadline and in the next offseason. To me, this move signals the Royals not really knowing what they want to do, not really knowing a direction they want to go in. And we can have a, a grander conversation tomorrow about the many options Kansas City has and the many directions they can go. But to me... I would just rather seen this team not grab a 30-year-old guy with no upside just for his good defense and just roll with your young guys. Roll with Frenchie Cordero out there. Roll with Edward Olivieras out there. Put Kyle Isbell out there. Put Khalil Lee out there. Give those guys the opportunity to fail or to succeed. But you have a better chance of not only winning, but a better chance of developing talent without shoving a guy like, Mike, like Michael A. Taylor into the lineup. I don't love this signing. Again, it kind of puts you in that weird limbo holding pattern. But on the other hand, it's a one-year contract, so I understand why understand why the common fan or the casual fan will look at this and say, it doesn't matter why you're talking about this, but, but I don't think that many casual fans are listening right now. I think that if you're listening to a baseball podcast every single day in December, you want this kind of minutia and you want this kind of in the weeds of, of baseball talk. And, and that's just how I feel about signing Michael Taylor. We've seen this time and time again. Lucas Duda. What was the benefit of having Lucas Duda in Kansas City when you could have seen Frank Swindell more at first base? When you could have given guys opportunities at first base over him? What did, what did Lucas Duda accomplish? What is the goal and, and what will Michael Taylor accomplish? Personally, I just do not see the potential in him. It's not like you're taking a flyer on a 23-year-old guy. He's 29 years old. He's going to be 30 the first month of the season. So I'm not in love with it. But we'll see how it all pans out. So tomorrow, I do want to dive more into that conversation about the many options Kansas City still has right now for constructing their team. And obviously, we'll get to the Franco decision if it's made by the time that we record tomorrow. And we'll get to, you know, just where I'd like to see the team go and where I think the team is heading. So that's all coming up on tomorrow's show. This is Locked on Royals, the only daily podcast about the Kansas City Royals. So be sure to subscribe wherever it is you're a podcast from. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Royals and be good and be good to one another. We'll see you tomorrow on Locked on Royals.